not an insult to call a song sleepy, is it? Sleepy is maybe not the right word. What's the word? It's like not melancholy. It's it's just like laid back, understated, laid back, it's mellow. It's mellow, definitely mellow. Yeah. It's sweater weather today in our neck of the woods. Minus freaking 32 today in the capital city of the province of Alberta. You can chime in, let us know. I know that some people are going to annoy us right now on our live chat because they're going to be tuning in from some beautiful, unbelievable destination where they've already had their morning surf and they're sipping on papaya juice right now. And the only thing that's bothering them right now is that the howler monkeys are so loud that they can barely hear real talk streaming through their speakers. A good morning to anybody. A good afternoon to you, if that's when you're downloading the show. This episode of Real Talk is presented by our friends at Bitcoin Well. I'm going to be popping in to see them today. And I know that Benny's going to be there. It's an absolute beauty. The guy will meet you at the front door and he's just got this big old beard and a huge smile. His eyes smile. You know, I've never actually seen Benny's mouth smile because it's been under it's been behind a mask the entire time I've known him. I don't 100 percent know what he looks like. But I do know that I trust him. The the team behind the scenes has had enough of my rambling. They want to start the show. The horses are starting to kick the stable doors. They're ready to rock. I was just sitting on that They're ready to go. Sam's just got his trigger finger ready to rock. (laughs) I love it because you hit it every time we need it. Bam! You hit it right away. So Benny, is like, he's got this big old smile and always be like, I've got a dumb question for you. He's like, no dumb questions. And he laughs. If you have questions about crypto, Bitcoin in particular, you're trying to figure out how to set up a Bitcoin wallet or you want to understand why some people are, are really concerned about using apps to buy their Bitcoin instead of going with a place like Bitcoin, well, you can ask them those questions or you can find them online under the Sponsors tab at RyanJesperson.com. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Nailed it, Brooksy. Nice job. You guys feeling good today? We got a good show in store. I'm, I'm, I'm compensating right now because I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't feel like coming in today. It had nothing to do with either of you or the audience or the show or anything like that. But I was thinking this would be a great day uh, to host an audio only podcast that I could do right by a fireplace wrapped in a big down duvet, uh, still wearing my favorite slippers sweatpants it's just that kind of a day you know what i mean but we rallied as a team and here we are you can wear slippers and yeah. sweats no one needs know to know I, the secret would be we, safe with us yeah, right i don't know why so even sam with this if you're watching us on youtube you know you take our camera four which is like our big wide shot here in the studio even then i'm covered by table i could easily get away with slippers and sweats just saying slippers and sweats another great band name we've been nailing it choco chunks yesterday opening the opening act joshua gogo uh, the conservative, uh, what was he? He was a, he was a contestant UCP, in the yeah. nomination for the UCP spot in, in uh, Fort McMurray, Lac LaBiche. I'm not making fun of the name. It's a sweet name. It just sounds like a band. Uh, we've been keeping an eye on stories as they develop, and today's going to be one of those. You know, we do this live. Uh, you might call it in the industry live to tape. And so that means that if you're listening to this at five or seven o'clock in the evening or nine o'clock or, or Friday or next week, you're going, what do you mean next week? It's always right now when I'm listening to it. It's true. But there will be announcements made while we are conversing today, uh, expecting them from both the federal government and from the Alberta government coming up in about a half an hour. 
And it sounds like they might be, might be announcements that move in opposite directions, Hoyles. Uh, the feds, <laughs> the prime minister spoke with the premiers last night, and the federal government's expected to, to crack down on a couple things, or at least to introduce some, some COVID measures that would have implications for holiday travelers, as an example. Uh, well, Alberta's premier is expected to make announcements that the province of Alberta may be relaxing some COVID measures leading up into the holiday season. You nailed it. Exactly. So they're, the federal government is talking to the experts, talking amongst themselves, um, talking to the premiers, trying to figure out, okay, what makes the most sense and how do we keep Canadians safe? Okay. So they're, we're, they're looking and, and trying to figure out what the next steps should be. So we... Uh, Wait with bated breath okay. and masks on. And masks on. So you'll be keeping an eye. Uh, I mean, technically, we don't have masks on. We should be honest with people. But we are behind plexiglass here. And we've got our, our uh, air purifier going. And a lot of people are saying, okay, so the Real Talk studio is a classic example of where people are at right now. Uh, when we're up and about in the building, when Sam's, for example, you went and you, you, you thank you, by the way, thanks to our subscription for Yeg Coffee Club. We have these fabulous fresh beans, which we're loving. Uh, you can link to them off our website under the sponsors tab. Uh, new coffee is fantastic. So you pop out to refill. I notice you throw your mask on as you're walking through the hallway. We come in here. We have ourselves distance. We've got the plexiglass. We've all been immunized. And a lot of people, the reason I'm laying this out like this is because a lot of people are going to say, we're doing everything we can. We're happy to take rapid tests. We want to make sure we have negative test results. But some of us are going to gather through the holiday season to celebrate whatever it is that we celebrate, to observe whatever it is that we observe. And that's just a fact. And so I wonder how the federal and provincial government today uh, in, in Canada and Alberta, respectively, we're talking about, of course, how they're going to reflect that the reality of what people's plans, plans probably are through the holidays. Not everybody. A lot of people, I'm sure, have canceled holiday plans based on this Omicron variant that we're learning. Uh, the variant. The variant. <laughs> sounded very like sort of a, it was like more of a proclamation from some sort of very a scientific fancy. body. Yeah, no, very I, fancy. I don't know why I gave myself it. It was like I sort of gave myself like a PhD or, or at least a graduate level education there, which I do not have. So uh, wait, wait, you, when, when you get a higher, higher form of education, you just gain an accent. Well, That's you just you sort of take on. It was like yesterday. Inventory. Inventory. Right. Yeah. When we heard about it's not in inventory it's inventory um but so so i think that the two levels of government are going to are going to reflect um where they think probably people are at there there are expectations that there are going to be some steps taken with the federal government which with regards to travel policy uh, i think that's common sense mm. and then on, on the provincial side i'm curious to know where people are going to land on this you know you you look at at what has sort of driven or perpetuated these waves of covid19 and, and in a lot of cases it's probably gatherings and people getting together and at the same time we're kind of on two years, and, and, and I know a lot of people are because I hear about this exhaustion, um, and there's a wide spectrum of where people are at right now. People are going to say, though, I, I've done everything you asked me to do. I've got my shots. I've done my stuff. I'm ready to take rapid tests. I'm happy to distance, whatever it is, but like, there's not going to be another season of Zoom gatherings. I think some people are at that point. So I'll be curious to see how what the policies are, first of all, and second, how they land with the public. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. Yeah, um, You are, as Sarah Hoyles, we're grateful to have you as uh, the official <laughs> basketball correspondent uh, of, of Relay Communications Group, the flagship program, Real Talk. And uh, in all seriousness, last night was a huge night for the legendary, I think you can call him the legendary Steph Curry, one of the deadliest shooters in NBA history, who's now the owner of a, of a longstanding record. Oh, a huge record, all-time record holder for three-pointers. So he has scored 2,974 long-range buckets, and he's taken 13 seasons to do it, and he has beaten 
without Ray Allen and Reggie Miller, who are legendary themselves. Both of them very clutch. Uh, the thing about Steph Curry, obviously, is that he's taken it to another level. Not just the number of three-pointers that he would average in a game, but also when and how he would hit them. I mean, he's a guy that would take one step over half court and just dagger to the heart three-pointers. Here's how he did it last night in fashion against the storied New York Knicks. Guarding it from the start, Wiggins again. Here's Curry for the record. It's good! There it is! Stephen Curry! The all-time three-point king in the NBA! There you go, about four and a half minutes into the first quarter last night against the Knicks. And there's a Canadian connection to this. Oh, huge, yeah. His dad, Steph's dad, uh, Dell, used to play for the Raptors uh, from 99 to 2002. And so Steph was on the Raptors court just during, like, shooting around, perfecting, perfecting his shot. I love that you pulled this footage. Check this out. This is this is Steph. Do we know how old he was here? The young, young guy. Look at this. played with Toronto, of course, Steph formed his NBA career his early years in Toronto and actually played a little bit of elementary school and junior high school basketball here right now we're seeing uh for people that are listening on the podcast that was probably what would you say 10 11 year old yeah, Steph 13 13 years old yeah. there Sam and just like bang 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 yeah. just nailing threes unbelievable um it's a great story and congratulations to Steph Curry we don't we're not you know it's kind of funny people would say to me especially back in my in my terrestrial uh, radio career and, and you know we talk about something like Connor McDavid's goal or Steph Curry breaking the three point the all time three point record and people would say this isn't a sports show or if I wanted a sports podcast I could find one that's better than yours and I always would say back you know this is uh, news politics and pop culture it's stuff that's relevant and stuff people are talking about and that's a big one from from Steph Curry who, who will go down obviously I think as the all time greatest he already is He's already the all-time greatest NBA shooter, right? Right. I mean, he's changed the game fundamentally because it used to be much more like down in the paint. And now like people are just the number of threes that go up in every single game yeah. across, across across the whole NBA is incredible now. And the sports change a lot in the sense that, uh, you know, you get like a lot of centers. I mean, I'm thinking like Kevin Durant and others like it's like the three point. You got to watch people back in the day. You didn't worry about uh you know, the big centers, you know, Robert Parrish or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Shaq shooting threes. <laughs> like, it just wasn't part of the game, but everything's changed now, right? And and uh, anyway, very cool to, to see. And uh, Sarah, of course, you're keeping an eye on other news as it develops uh, through the show uh, while we're here, so to speak, on the air. And of course, uh, afterward as well, when we've got our hashtag driving a lot of the conversation, the off-air conversation, that's a hashtag that you know, of course, is powered by the team at Park Power. And we're so grateful to partner with them, your friendly local utilities provider. We're going to be talking in a second about some of uh, the costs associated with some of the other things you pay for every month, in particular, your cell phone bill, your internet. Right now, Park Power wants you to compare rates when it comes to internet delivery online at parkpower.ca. You could be, you might be, heck, you probably are paying too much right now. Park Power would love to change that. Plus, if you bring your business over to them right now, they make it easy. They'll call your current provider. They'll break up with them for you. And the promo code 2021-REALTALK means you're getting 70 bucks off your first bill at Park Power. Our friends at Friesen Brothers, this is an amazing time of year because they are ready to help you out through the holidays, regardless of whatever tradition you're celebrating. 
They want to take away all of the work from you, but make sure you get all of the praise. And that's why their Red Seal chefs are covering these amazing ready-to-heat dinners. Carrie and I tried one out a couple of weeks ago, literally threw it in the oven for like 65, 70 minutes, and that's it. It comes out steaming, absolutely unbelievable. And had I chosen to lie, Hoyles, I think I could have gotten away with it. Check this out. We're showing it on YouTube. Can you see the steam coming up off those roasted root vegetables? You got those little potatoes, fabulous ham. We went with the ham for that meal. That's from Friesen Brothers team of Red Seal Chefs. You can learn more about what they're doing at Friesen.com. Don't forget at their Friesen Brothers Fresh Market stores, they have these amazing Christmas feasts coming up Saturday from 4 to 8 p.m., 25 bucks, all you can eat turkey and ham. You're not going to find a better deal. I love this from Athabasca University. You know, they're Canada's online university. We remind you of that multiple times a week. And that's why so many people have gone to AU to broaden their horizons, to deepen their skill set, because it's a it's a program that allows you to learn at your own pace. If you're ready to go 40 hours a week, you want to go through an entire certification, maybe go earn a degree, do it. If you have one hour or two hours a week, no big deal. You're not going to fall behind because you're dictating the pace of your learning. That flexibility is why so many people are turning to AthabascaU.ca. Why not make that part of your New Year's resolution? This is the time of year we start thinking about it. Make Canada's online university part of your plan. All right. Regardless of who you are, regardless of where you live in the country, chances are you're probably unhappy with how much you're paying for your cell phone bill. It's the subject of our question of the week right now at ryanjesperson.com. We encourage you to go to connect, click on question of the week. We're asking you like four or five questions this time because we want it to take you two minutes. We want to know how much you're paying for your cell phone, for your internet. Who's your provider? Are you happy with them? And how do you feel about the Canadian market? Generally speaking, you feel like you have the options you want there. Are you concerned about a monopoly, especially considering this mega deal, this proposed mega deal between the two giants uh, of Canada's telecommunications industry? Back on November 22nd, the CRTC, that's the Canadian Radio, Television and Telecommunications Commission, began five days of public hearings into the proposed purchase of Shaw Communications by Rogers Communications. That's right. The blue whale is going to eat the gray whale. That's what's going to happen. Rogers and Shaw announced the deal in March of last year, estimated to be worth $26 billion. It's currently also being reviewed by the Competition Bureau. Dr. Paul Beaumont is an assistant professor of finance at McGill University here to help us make sense of all of this. Dr. Beaumont, welcome to the show. Thanks for making time for us. What's really catching your attention about this deal? Generally speaking, what's the first thing that you think about when you think about this merger? about prices so like the uh, the important question is like uh, the uh, the impact of the merger on, on like uh, the prices that canadian pays for like the uh, for wireless services for broadcasting services and and it's like actually like what the competition bureau is interested in as well um and what it's what like uh, canadian should be like uh, concerned with i think so basically, the idea being that you get these two giants that become one monolith, and then all of a sudden they've got such a monopoly type scenario, or at least as close as you get to it, uh, that they start just setting prices and setting cell phone plans and Internet plans and Canadians lose the choice that you might expect in the market. Is that it, basically? Yeah, exactly. So like, essentially, like the idea is that, I mean, it's a generalization, but the idea is that Telus, Bell, and um, and Rogers, like they have like uh, more or less uh, 
uh, 30% of the market each. And uh, Freedom Mobile, which is the, the wireless service associated with a show, has the remaining 10%. And uh, uh, Freedom Mobile is really like the one trying to uh, innovate and to uh, drive down prices. So if uh, Rogers purchase uh, show and therefore uh, Freedom Mobile, in a sense, there will be uh, no actor left. There will be only like three actors left and no, in a sense, fourth actor uh, to like try to uh, push the prices down. So in a sense, after this merger, like there will be like uh, no reason to believe that prices may go down in the future. It's worth noting that on the second day of the hearings, TELUS, who you just mentioned, who's obviously a direct uh, competitor to Rogers and Shaw, urged the CRTC to block the deal. Uh, it may seem obvious why TELUS might want that. It's a direct competitor of theirs getting stronger. But was there something about TELUS's argument, do you think, that was valid in the sense of looking out for the best interests of Canadians? Or was that just self-survival? It's a bit of both, to be honest. Um, first of all, I think what's in but what's important to keep in mind is that the CRTC uh, hearings, uh, like the CRTC has only like authority uh, when it comes to like broadcasting services. So like the competition bureau is really like the, the entity that in the end will be like, will have like the last say on uh, the merger and in, I mean, on the uh, impact of the merger on like the wireless markets. Uh, like uh, when you're like uh, purchasing data from your, uh, from Bell, from TELUS or from uh, Rogers, um like uh, you have to pay a certain price and in a sense like the wireless services uh, it's really like where the the real money is it's really like the important uh aspect of the merger the the uh dc rtc has only authority on like the uh broadcasting services aspects of the merger so like the impact of the merger on like cable tv on on like um uh streaming and this kind of thing um, so tell us, uh, like the argument of tell us was that, um, like the, uh, the, the merger may make like the, uh, uh broadcasting, uh, industry, the Canadian one, the Canadian broadcasting industry too concentrated. It, it has some truth to it. Like, I mean, the argument is kind of valid, but I think it's, it's not really like what's important in the merger in a sense, what's really important for the, like the, the real, uh, uh, impact on the merger will be like on the wireless uh, industry, and this is what like uh, Canadians should be like concerned with, not really like the, the broadcasting uh, industry. We we hope that uh, maybe you can help us with a fact check here, although it's mm -hmm. more of an opinion check than a fact check. But on the, through the hearings, of course, senior executives with both of these corporations, Rogers and Shaw, said, of course, as they would. The deal's good for Canadians because it would allow the companies to increase programming and increase services. What does your BS detector do when you hear that? Do you suspect that there's BS here? You know, let's say that it's like a, a common argument that firms make when they want to merge. So like essentially, like uh, when companies merge, there are two ways to make money. Either um, like you have more market power after merger, so you are able to like uh, to to charge higher prices. But these regulators don't want this kind of thing. So usually, like firms will say that no, 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 they won't use their market power. They will actually like try to keep prices as uh, as low as possible. 
So this is the first way to make money. The other way to, 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 to make money after a merger is to like create efficiencies. Uh, for instance, like by merging uh, uh, Rogers and Shaw, they may, there might be like some uh positive complementarities like uh, they may be able to use like the infrastructure um of the other firm to like uh, expand their wireless services this kind of thing and by uh, being more efficient by uh, benefiting by leveraging from these complementarities they may be able to like actually like be more productive and therefore to charge lower prices to canadians uh so this is possible um I think, like for instance, Roger said that uh, like the merger would uh, enable uh, uh, the combined entity the, to like invest more in the 5G uh, infrastructure. This this argument, for instance, I don't find it very valid because I think that in any case they would have uh, invested in the 5G uh, infrastructure. So, what's what's really problematic uh, is to what's really important actually is to understand. Uh, um, like uh, what, like what Rogers and uh, and Shaw would do if they are unable to merge, if yeah. they um, and to compare it to what they would do if they if they are if they are able to merge. Yeah, because there are um, other ways to do. You can do like the non-merger merger, right? Like we we see it with some political parties where they collaborate in a House of Commons, for example, where there there would be these sort of consensus type arrangements. Can you can you see something like? Well, let me ask you first: Is it a viable? Is it a real? possibility can you see it happening that that the crtc or the competition bureau actually blocks the deal i mean when, when you look into your crystal ball what do you see it's not i mean like the competition bureau has not like uh uh i, I don't see any pre as any uh, precedent in the recent uh, canadian history like the competition bureau like uh, has not blocked like uh, outright uh, uh, a merger in in recent history so i don't i don't see that happening what is uh possible and what is likely is that the competition bureau may uh, force uh, like either Roger or Shaw to sell parts of the assets uh, to like a third, a third entity. So for instance, like one way to really like limit the, uh, let's say, um, uh, to, to limit the concentration, to, 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 li to limit the price effect of the merger would be to force Shaw to sell Freedom Mobile to a uh, to another actor, I I don't find it like very likely. And and if like Show is forced to to sell on Freedom Mobile, the question would be like who would be the buyer? Yeah. So it's not it's not like completely clear. Uh, uh, if I, this kind of thing is feasible. Yeah, yeah it, would, it would be interesting to see, right? Because, I mean, Quebec, uh, Atlantic Canada, there are smaller carriers where, you know, you wonder if yep. maybe somebody might want to make an, an inroad. Um, you know, Paul, I, I, I don't want to try to make this all about me, um, but can I tell you, it kind of reminds me I was I was working for a company owned at the time by Chum. You'll remember in the mid 2000s, the brand was City TV uh, in Alberta. The reference people will remember Craig Media owned a channel and Chum desperately wanted a footprint in Western Canada and they were having no luck getting broadcast licenses from the CRTC. Meantime, you've got this interesting scenario where Bell Globe Media is turning into CTV Globe Media, right? You remember this big, huge purchase. And all of a sudden, Chum becomes enveloped and wrapped in. And the CRTC saying you, you can't have CTV and City TV both running, for example, morning shows in the same market. as they, they forced the company to break it up. 
So city TV became available across the country and, of course, was purchased by Rogers, which is where that current ownership resides. So we do see precedent set with regards to the CRTC uh, creating conditions, whereas a, a major corporation it through a merger does put up a, a, a decently significant a- asset up for sale. In that circumstance, there was a buyer, and I suppose it satisfied the Competition Bureau or the CRTC to a certain degree. So I, I guess in a sense, it's not apples and apples, but there has been precedence with regards to splitting that up to, to satiate the Competition Bureau. Well, I mean, it's what will be like uh, crucial is like whether there are buyers for like the asset that maybe uh, that Rogers or Shaw may be forced to sell on. Uh, there's also like the uh, the question of the spectrum. So the Ministry of Innovation has also like its say on the on on the merger. Like uh, you know, like in order to provide wireless services, um, Rogers and Shaw's like have purchased spectrums like uh, uh, in the past. So they may be also like forced to sell some of them to to third to third party. No? So. Yeah, at the end of the day, like uh, the 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 question of the buyer will be like crucial. And one thing that may be possible, I don't I don't know whether it's likely or not, is like uh, we can we can even envision like a uh, a US buyer uh, that could like uh, try to enter the market. Can you help us understand like why American prices are so much lower and there's so many better plans? It seems. I mean, you hear people that have mobile plans for like $28 a month and they have all the data they need and it just looks like the American market. I mean, let me rephrase, the Canadian market is just such a joke compared to the Americans and elsewhere in the world. It's well known that Canadians are, are paying among the highest prices for mobility and data in the world. Why is that? I mean, can, can you sum it up? I mean, I think one crucial aspect, one crucial like particular specificity of like the Canadian market is uh, like it's a huge market like uh, geography wise and like uh, canadian canada is not like uh, super densely populated so it means that like firms have to like uh, build infrastructure over a wide uh, territory and um, and uh, like it's not profitable for like many uh, many firms to enter the market because at the end of the day like uh, in in some areas there is only like uh, uh, so much constu- customers to which you can sell your your wireless services. So in a sense, by kind of like mechanically, in a sense, there is only uh, there are only like uh, two or three actors that can be profitable in the market, and this this is this necessarily like uh, lead to like uh, rather high prices. Yeah, is there a role that government should play in in covering? Uh, I mean, we've we've had interesting conversations when it comes to accessibility of reliable high speed Internet for rural Canadians. We've talked about uh, indigenous people living on reserve. And uh, the, I mean, essentially, uh, if you look at how much that healthcare and education, as two examples of many, uh, have moved to online or digital delivery for, for almost the lion's share of, of of those important portfolios, those important services, you can make the argument that every Canadian should be entitled to some form of high-speed internet. And, uh, you know, I know that people would argue that this needs to be a priority of the federal government or the federal and provincial governments. Is there an argument to be made, do you think, for the federal government to support infrastructure in significant ways to ensure that the the market is better or more favorable for Canadians? I mean, I know we start getting into muddy waters here. I think there are two things. Like, first of all, I think it's uh, like that the, the government 
like must uh, intervene in some ways to like make sure that all Canadians have access to like uh, wireless services. This for me is a, uh, is I, I agree and I think it's important that like uh, to 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 foster like the the growth of the. Uh, of uh, 5G, of like um, to make sure that all Canadians have uh, equal access to 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 uh, um, high speed internet. This I think it's important, but I think that one thing that the the government can do, and it's actually what the government is doing, is to make sure that the the conditions of uh, of an efficient market are there to make sure that the prices are not too high. And in a sense. Um, the competition bureau here, like, is, is playing a very important role uh, for the uh, for, like the future of the market. Like, if it chooses uh, to like uh, to block uh, the merger, uh, it will really send a signal that the government is committed to like uh, maintain uh, low prices and to make sure that uh, there is enough competition to uh, so that every Canadian can afford like. Uh, Purchasing data from a from a mobile company. In a sense, there are like two two problems. First, whether like the infrastructure exists, and second, whether it's affordable. And I think the merger is really about the affordability affordability of the uh, of mobile services. I don't. I'm gonna be honest. I don't know much about the model of Saskatel uh, in Saskatchewan. I'm not sure how much you know about it either. A good point from some random guy on our live chat. That's the handle. That's not what I'm calling him. Um, says you should ask about Saskatel and other crown corporations. I'm old enough to remember AGT in Alberta, Alberta Government Telephones, which of course was rebranded and the entire structure changed when it became Telus. But there is a history of the so-called crown corporation out here on the prairies. How how do they factor into the conversation, this national conversation, if at all? So I don't know about like uh, this company specifically, but what's for sure and what we've seen in the past is that what's crucial for like the viability uh, in the long term of a company is whether it uh, owns uh, like uh, um, uh, wirelines, like uh, um, whether it owns like the actual uh, telecommunication infrastructure. And in like there are only uh, uh, Bell, Telus, Rogers and Shaw who have like, let's say, uh, uh, significant amounts of like uh, uh, telecommunication infrastructure in Canada. So like the other company, they are in a sense like renting the services, rent, like uh, they are relying on the uh, on the big companies to like uh, to, to 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 provide their services to customers. Right. And uh, what we've seen in the past is that these business models can be profitable in the short run, or but like over time in the long run. It doesn't seem to work very well. Okay, uh, I want to ask you this in closing. Uh, if you're just tuning in, hey, if you're if you're using your data to live stream us right now in the Mixler Audio app, we appreciate it. We're talking to Dr. Paul Beaumont, who's uh, professor of finance at McGill University. Uh, a couple of audience members have have reached out talking about, uh, in particular, uh, spectrum auctions. And I wonder if you can maybe get into this just for a second. Uh, this uh, email from Malcolm, who wrote in to talk at RyanJesperson.com, he says. Jesper, I'm hoping you can get to my uh, email I sent to my member of parliament. Uh, he says that there are serious problems facing Canadian consumers as we increase our reliance on mobility services and start to migrate towards this 5G platform. He writes to his MP, uh, Stephanie Cousy, out of Calgary, conservative MP, says, as a constituent, I'm seeking your help to ensure a level playing field so every major carrier is able to secure enough bandwidth to deliver the benefits of 5G connectivity to Canadians with the government now planning its next spectrum auction for the highly important 3800 megahertz band we won't get too into the weed stock says it's vital that the auction structures enough 
that it ensures enough spectrum is available to carriers so they can offer true 5G. But Malcolm says, unfortunately, based on the results of the most recent auction, if rules are not updated, they could allow a single carrier to dominate the 5G market. That would lead, of course, to higher prices and degraded services for Canadians, most especially in rural areas. And, and Malcolm goes on to get a bit more specific in his excellent email to his member of parliament. Also got this from Bob Loblaw on Twitter. Make sure you check out Bob Loblaw's law blog. He says, Jespo, make sure you ask why the federal government collects a billion dollars from each carrier during these spectrum auctions, which are also the most expensive in the world. A good point from Bob Loblaw. Can you bring us up to speed on that, what that's all about? So like about the, spe the spectrum auctions, like um, the idea, like um, uh, the general idea is uh, that the government is making like some significant investment in like the, uh, to, to, to uh, expand the 5G, to invest in infrastructure. And one way to like uh, finance this investment is to use like to rely on spectrum auction. So it sells uh, some uh, spectrum bandwidth to like private companies. And the idea is that uh, if the if the auction is well designed, it will the auction will generate enough money for the government to actually like uh, finance like the, the the infrastructure in the in 5G, for instance. And um, so, in a sense, like the question from your from from the person in in the chat, um, it's true that uh, I mean the government has faces a trade-off between like generating enough money to uh, finance the investment and uh, guaranteeing a level playing field and uh, allowing like actually like big small firms sorry to uh, purchase uh, 5g uh, bandwidth so it's a uh, it's a very difficult trade-off because like on the other hand uh, on the one hand you want to generate money on the other hand you want to maintain equal access and and and, and to ma to maintain competition in a sense, um, my feeling is that if you want to maintain competition, the, the most efficient thing that you can do is to uh, uh, make sure that there are enough actors in the market and really like it's what the competition bureau is doing right now. So I agree with your with your auditor that it's important to like uh, maintain equal access in, to the uh, to this spectrum auction. But in a sense, if in order to preserve competition, my my feeling is that the most important thing right now is to uh, re pay attention to this uh, to this merger. All right. Uh, you know, you being here uh, is helping us out in a big way to kind of just understand the lay of the land when it comes to this deal. You start talking about these big, huge. I mean, these are massive mergers. It feels like GM and Ford is merging. Uh, you know, we appreciate the insight. Uh, that's Dr. Paul Beaumont, an assistant professor of finance out of McGill University. Thanks for your time, Doc. We appreciate it. Thanks. It was a pleasure. Yeah, you bet. Appreciate that. Uh, you can let us know. I mean, I'm, I'm paying attention to our live chat and a whole bunch of you are testifying, which is great. You're, you're talking to us and, and you're coming in from different parts of Canada. There's Mark who chimes in from Utah, letting us know. He says, I've got expensive Verizon. He says we're paying like 170 bucks for four lines of unlimited data, uh, 170 US. So that's like, what is that, like 9000 Canadian or something like that? But but I, I want to encourage you 
you know, you're 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 chiming in on the live chat, which is great because we've got this amazing group, this audience that joins us every single morning. Uh, but what we'd really love is if you took the time to go fill out our question of the week, it'll take you literally two minutes. RyanJesperson.com under connect. You'll find our question of the week. Uh, we want to get a sound. I mean, I'd love to hear from a thousand of you to, to sit there and say, this is what I'm paying. This is who I'm with. This is whether or not I'm happy. This is what informs our decision on our carrier. And, and this is what I am or am not worried about. And then, of course, we'll review that early next week. It gives us a good idea of, of where you're all at. Uh, a conversation coming up in, in just a moment. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with this. I feel like I'm, I'm going to ask a tacky question right out of the gates on our conference. Hoyles is looking at me all worried. You just like, you know, um, this hybrid fish, this, these hybrid salmon. Uh, they're they're finding the, these salmons like genes. There's been like this cross gene sort of marrying, and some ecologists, I'm sure, and biologists might be a little bit concerned about this. Is it bad to wonder how they taste? Like, do they taste better? I think it's a valid question. It's a valid question, right? Because what? Maybe it's not a problem. Like maybe maybe they is, taste better. Maybe this is the greatest thing ever. Maybe we should have been doing this a long time ago. I was curious to know if it was going to be wild and farmed salmon that were that were like you know hooking up because that would be. No bueno. I mean, the whole thing. You're about, very scientific in your descriptions. Well, I mean, I, I studied for years uh, some of the some of the highest no levels bueno. of mediocre high school classes. But you know, what do you what do you when they're mating? Are they mating? Are they hooking up? Are they mingling? I mean, what 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 creates this type of thing? Um, but of, of course, like the the there's there's it's no laughing matter. The the contentious debate around the the role that uh, that ha- that uh, hatcheries play and that farm salmon are playing on the west coast, and of course the correlation to the killer whales and all that kind of stuff. Fascinating conversation coming up with a biologist from Fisheries Notions Canada in just a little bit. I want to remind you these conversations don't happen. I mean, speaking of fish, speaking of eats. We're so pleased to partner up with Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food, and they've got some amazing suggestions. Even if your pup is still on kibble, check out their Instagram, a recent post on how you can make your kibble even healthier improve the quality of life for your beloved furry family members. You can check out their quality raw food, including beef, chicken, and turkey online at granddog.ca. Mix and match any eight-box order. You'll get the bulk deal of 20% off at checkout. You can ask, you know, get into their frequently asked questions. Check out their blog online. A ton of resources there. This is what we feed our dogs. They deliver to our door. It's fantastically convenient. Edmonton, Calgary, Central Alberta. The promo code REALTALK gets you 10% off your first-time order at Grand granddog.ca our friends at eden landscaping this might seem obvious but maybe not you'd hate to find out in april or may that it's a lousy time to make first contact with a landscape designer and hope that your project's done in june in time for canada day or in time for the august long weekend now is a great time to reach out to mike and the team say here's my broad vision and then maybe let's start getting a little bit more specific with the details of the design they bring outdoor space to life it's what they've been doing for 20 years and that includes great relationships with suppliers so they can make sure that what you need is here when you need it nothing worse than having your yard all torn up for the entire summer while you wait 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 it's not what eden landscaping does find them online at landscapeedmonton.ca and speaking of getting outside and enjoying the great outdoors who knows more about that than the team at breathe outdoors you know you've known and trusted them since the 1960s as campers village well they've broadened their offerings of course building on that same platform that they've established for decades this is where canadians go in particular where albertans go to get outfitted 
for the great outdoors. Their winter adventures, uh, adventure sale. Why can I not say that word? I'm just so excited about it. 40% off their winter adventure sale. Not on everything, obviously, but if you go on their website, breatheoutdoors.ca, you can see more. And of course, you can go visit them in store as well. A beautiful redesign. Congratulations to our friends at Breathe Outdoors. You know, every Wednesday, we partner with our good friends at Tourism Jasper. This feels like a, a, a segue that just makes sense, doesn't it? We're into that season. The snow is falling. It's absolutely stunning. These spruce trees, these fir trees just covered with that dusting of snow. In my mind, it's the best time of the year out in Jasper, a time to truly make memories. We call it my Jasper memories, and this is where our feature goes midweek. I'm excited to tell you about something that's coming up in Jasper, and I suspect that some of you are going to maybe change your January plans as soon as you get these details, right? We've come a long way, of course, since lashing sharpened animal bones to our feet, wobbling out onto some ice out in nature. But if you're still looking to capture that rugged, iconic feeling, there's no better place in time to skate than Jasper National Park in the month of January. It's a family tradition for us. It's where our little guy skated for the very first time, and it's where we will be again coming up next month. This Jasper in January, we're bringing back hockey as it should be played on the ODR, a frozen outdoor lake in the mountains. Uh, January 28th to 30th is the Jasper Pond Hockey Challenge. It'll bring the coveted Canadian pond hockey game to one of the most scenic venues in the country, Mildred Lake beside the Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge, an experience you will never forget. 20 teams or so will compete in a four-on-four pond hockey tournament. You can have a maximum of eight players on your team. Oilers Nation's going to enter a team. They're going to be there on site. Packages from $3.99 will get you two nights, three days. What? At the Fairmont JPL plus your tournament entry. That's a stunning deal. I mean, just the hotel deal there is incredible. It's not any hotel. There's something very special about the Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge. Can you hear the blades ripping into that lake ice right now? Can you hear the echo of the sticks? I mean, there's nothing better than bar down goals on the ODR. That ping in the cold. Oh, my gosh. You can check out everything that we talk about as part of my Jasper memories at jasper.travel slash real talk. More details on that pond hockey tournament coming up January 28th through the 30th. And of course, if you're posting your Jasper memories, photos, videos, whatever, when you're out there, especially we love to see them. Make sure you use the hashtags real talk RJ and my Jasper. I got to lead off with the question about taste. I mean, it's all I can think about right now. I'm thinking I'm thinking Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge, Salmon Benedict, Sunday morning brunch. Like, that's all I can think about right now. Uh, but in all seriousness, researchers have found fish north of Victoria, B.C. that are, that have the genes of both coho and Chinook salmon. Oh, and by the way, Hoyles is keeping an eye on the updates from the provincial government when it comes to COVID. And as soon as there's something to sink our teeth into, we're going to go to the editorial producer of the show here. Back to the fish, these tissue samples have revealed that the, the salmon are second generation hybrids. So they're the spawn of hybrids. I don't know. I keep thinking of band names. It's another great band name. Spawn of hybrids. This hybrid fish, according to researchers, one of them we're about to talk to in just a second, a rare find in Canada might be the result of drought. Could this be climate change? What does it all mean? Andres Araujo is a biologist working for Fisheries and Oceans Canada, originally from Colombia. Uh, he's been a researcher for government and academia on ecosystem modeling. So I've been studying caribou and killer whales and Pacific salmon and crustaceans. I mean, a wealth of experience. It's a pleasure uh, to welcome Andres to the program. Thanks for being here with us and a good morning to you. 
Uh, good morning, Ryan. Yeah. So, I mean, I've got the dumb question, but I'm just curious whether or not you're able to taste these fish, whether there's a difference in taste before we get into the serious stuff. Is there a noticeable difference at first glance? I mean, uh, how did this first get on your radar? Well, is I haven't uh, had a chance to taste this fish yet. Uh, unfortunately, there have been very few of this. Um, but yeah, I mean, we was uh, we were um, researching just uh, just salmon, just looking at some tissue samples at the molecular genetics lab in Anaimo, and uh, we just came across just a few of these samples that had both the genes of uh, of coho and chinook, and we found both juveniles and adults, and uh, we found that they were coming mostly from the estuary of the Cowichan River. Uh, this is in South Vancouver Island, Southeast Vancouver Island. Okay, so you were, you uh, so were, we also you were found, sorry, oh, sorry to interrupt you, but you were testing these fish before you made this discovery. You, this was not a, a focused study. This was discovered almost in a way, potentially by accident. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. It was just by accident. Uh, we're just looking at some samples and well, we in the molecular genetics lab look at thousands of samples every month. Um, and uh, we just saw that there was something going on with the genotypes, you know, the scores in the genetic market are like, okay, some of these fish just kind of look kind of odd. Uh, they have both the, what we call the alleles of both the Chinook and Coho salmon. And uh, yeah, they happen to be hybrids. Uh, most of them uh, first generation, but a few of them uh, second generation as well. So, I mean, upon first glance, I know that there's been some speculation that drought conditions may have contributed to this. What's what's kind of the, what do you call it? The working theory. What's your suspicion at this point? Well, we look at a bunch of environmental data uh, and the couch and we were first thinking about what's going on with this. You know, uh, at first we thought there might be some guy in the hatchery, maybe playing with a fish <laughs> firm that is called milled, trying to maybe create a new species, uh, the cohooks. Uh, but we look at uh, at the tags on this fish, and we look at some of the parents as well, um, because the tissues are also sent to the molecular genetics lab, and we didn't find anything suspicious. So again, looking at environmental data, we noticed that the river sometimes dries uh, in the summer, uh, which caused a delay in the spawning of uh, of Chinook salmon, usually tra- traditionally spawning in the summer, and coho uh, later in the fall. So they seem to be overlapping, and this seems to be one of the causes uh, of this hybridization. They are uh, seen side by side sometimes. Is this automatically a bad thing? I mean, you, you know, as, as a biologist, you've studied very, you know, many different species. Is Does this automatically raise red flags? Well, I don't think this fish pose any really danger for the ecosystem. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think they are more of an indicator than you know, that, that something is going on that actual disruptors. Um, again, this, uh, again, this is uh, something of uh, more of an indication, I think, not, uh, not that uh, per se they are, you know, bad fish or that they come and uh, change the whole ecosystem. It's uh, really good to keep an eye on this. Um, again, it's more like a tool uh, for researchers and for fisheries management and so on. Yeah. Would, would this be I mean, is this I, I don't want to use the word unprecedented, but how unusual is this? Uh, well, hybrids, I want to just clarify that hybrid salmon are not new. Uh, they occur naturally. Uh, they're rare, but they have been detected in some places in North America and Europe. Uh, not so much Chinook and, and Coho salmon hybrids, but there is uh, lots of other hybrids in salmon. It's like brown trout and uh, brook trout. They produce a hybrid called a tiger trout that is quite good looking. Uh, and there have been many salmon crosses in the laboratory. 
I mean, all you can think of. Uh, and some of them are viable, some of them are not so viable, uh, but especially for agricultural research that has been in the past 70s and back lots of, uh, lots of crosses between salmon. Uh, again, what I think is interesting in this study is the prevalence and the conditions that, that, uh, that gave origin to this salmon. Can I ask you about, we, we didn't ask you to come on and talk about, you know, hatcheries and farmed salmon and killer whales, but I mean, I've got you here. You've got a ton of experience. You've studied killer whale populations. Obviously, there's a huge correlation between the salmon and, and, and the, do they call them the J27 pod? I think the resident killer whales in Vancouver, and then they've got these transient whales as well. Uh, where do you land? I mean, for the average Canadian, myself included, that knows there's an issue, but isn't really up to speed and hasn't heard much about it lately. Uh, what are researchers like yourself keeping an eye on there and what are some of the more significant developments over the past i don't know let's say year well i'm not up to date on the killer whale research so probably we're not too far off <laughs> um but again i don't i don't know what's going on lately you know i've done this research in the past you know five years or so um I can put you in contact with someone. Yeah, I mean, that'd be cool because I just know and, and there's there are indigenous angles on this as well. And I know a lot of people I mean, you, you, you get into the into the West Coast. I was out there a couple of months ago and you start talking to people about farmed salmon or about hatcheries. And it's very uh, it could be a very polarizing conversation, oftentimes with people in neighboring communities. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's something we want. This is a topic that has been going on for a long time. Hatcheries are positive or negative. Uh, probably the truth is somewhere in between. I don't know. Um, again, it's, it's not something that I'm currently involved in. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I, and I appreciate you popping on to talk about this. This is a story that caught our attention. And we just had a few questions. Number one, just wanted to make sure whether or not people should be you know, overly concerned about this type of thing. I'm not getting the vibe from you that this is something you're overly concerned about. It's more just a story of interest. Is that a fair synopsis? Yeah, I don't think this again. I don't think the salmon are necessarily a bad thing. I think they can allow us to see that there is a spike. Something is going on in the ecosystem. There might be a mismatch in timing. This is not the first study uh, of salmon that have uh, found that there is a little bit of a uh, effect from climatic changes on the spawning of of salmon. So again, it's something that allows us to keep an eye to see that something is going on in the ecosystem. Um, maybe more than before. Again, these hybrids are. Uh, natural can occur as a part of a natural process. It's just the prevalence that kind of uh, give us, a, uh, yeah, a clue that something is going on. Yeah. Um, Interesting stuff. Uh, Andres Araujo, uh, biologist for Fisheries Notions Canada. Thanks for making time for us today. We appreciate the insight. No, thanks for the invite, Ryan. Yeah, you bet. Cool stuff. Uh, you, this is this story first wound up on your radar. Um, is that is that where you expected that to go? Were you like, was this when you saw something like that? Are you like red flags concerned about it? Like the, the sort of like melding of the species? Well, yeah. When you hear that there's a, a hybrid and yeah. it's happening with uh, different species of fish, it's yeah. kind of like, okay, what? Yeah, what? And I mean, it is. Um, reassuring to know that they that does happen naturally yeah. i guess it's just like the jackalope i mean the liger is another example people have been seeing this in nature for many years so there's nothing <laughs> that, unusual about species blending together right i just the, the thing that kind of twigs for me is as he just mentioned that the number of them and the, the frequency that they're happening and what does this say bigger picture that's that's what i'm I'm wanting to continue to learn about. Yeah, yeah, interesting stuff. Um, so yeah, we we always want to be like. Sometimes it's like we got to get like 
into the real heavy stuff and, and do some heavy lifting when it comes to difficult and uncomfortable conversations. And then sometimes it's just like, huh, that's kind of cool. You hear about this, want to learn a little bit more about it. Um, we're going to get an update in just a little bit on what Alberta's uh, COVID protocol or plan looks like over the next few minutes and uh we're of course also expecting announcement from the federal government here are you ready to rock on that right now you want to get into it well so so just so people know obviously we do this show live so right now it's about 9 20 about 9 22 mountain time 11 22 eastern most people hear this later in the day but as of right now what do we know early in this yeah so the conference is happening right now jason kenny is talking right now yeah and so so far in his address what has been discussed is that there will be five hundred thousand rapid tests available as of december 17th Okay. So that's in two days time. Are those going to be like at McDonald's drive throughs again or something like that? Isn't that how they did it before? Yeah, you K- can get masks KFC, KFC drive throughs yeah, or something Yeah, not like local that. businesses. Just, um, <laughs> okay. Anyway. I mean, those are also local businesses, but I digress. Not the point. Franchise. Okay. So where, where are people going to be able to get them? That um, I need to okay. still dig the, into. Just the announcement being made right now. Yeah, yeah right. and then boosters are going to be available as of today for folks that are 50 years old and older, as well as healthcare workers. Okay, that's good. And that is as far as he's gotten thus far. Okay, so, so there's got to be some announcement coming about relaxing some measures or something around the holiday season. I know that's what most people are, are curious to see. What what do gathering limitations look like and, and what will be the implications for people's holiday plans? Uh, that'll be coming up in just a bit. I want to get to some of your emails as well. We've got a whole bunch. I want to read a couple of longer ones today. When you take the time to chime in, and I can be ruthless. These two see me do it. I've got these Sharpies here and I can go in and I'm like, if there are unnecessary lines in an email, uh, then they're gone. But these ones, the lines will stand. First, though, I wanted to remind you that the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. How was the score blizzard yesterday, by the way? Which is good. <laughs> yeah, OK. Do fine. you need to ask? It was- Sam's just sitting there like, you know, just pay- paying out his bet, like just a good, like just a man of his word. I love it. That was a, a score blizzard that was picked up at the Dairy Queen in Westmount Edmonton. Of course, they've also got Dairy Queens, this group, Northwest Edmonton, Sherwood Park and Baseline Road. And then in Edmonton, Palisades, Newcastle, Y Gardens and Palisades. When I read it out of order, it feels like when, the, you know, the cops get you to like do the alphabet backwards at the, you know that when they always get you to do the alphabet backwards, right, everybody? This month, the blizzard of the month is the peppermint hot cocoa blizzard treat. Somebody wrote in an email. It was hilarious. I'm sorry I can't remember your name. Wrote in like this big long email about how brilliant Dairy Queen was to be able to turn hot cocoa into a blizzard treat. And I was like, I don't know what you want me to add to this. You're bang on in your commentary. It's magic. Soft serve, ice cream, peppermint, candy cane pieces, choco chunks, cocoa fudge. What? Unforgettable holiday flavors. Plus holiday log cakes on for half price. Perfect for holiday parties, potluck desserts, the perfect ending to a busy winter day. Just drop real talk when you're in there. You get half price of a holiday log cake, and they're selling their DQ bucks in support of the Stollery Children's Hospital. Donate five bucks, get five bucks back in DQ bucks. Also, big shout out to the friends at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. They've got limited time offers right now on the Ram 1500s. They end January 3rd, as well as on the 2021 Dodge Durango. So do not delay. You can check out the lineup, their biggest sale of the year right now online. You can link to them under the sponsors tab on our website, or you can go see them in person, safely distance. That brand new 2022 Wagoneer is in stock. This is the one going up against the Escalade, the Navigator, the X7. Everybody's talking about the Wagoneer at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge. Our friends at Kubi Energy present positive reflections every Monday. I had something happen to me last night. 
I'm going to get personal and introspective on positive reflections coming up next Monday. You're going to have to wait for it. Had tears in my eyes, literally in the best way, last night with my cousin Stephen. That's coming up on Monday. Kubi is providing solar energy solutions to power your life. A full service contractor for residential and commercial solar power systems, agricultural, industrial applications. You can get into their products and services online. You you can get a free quote, of course. Give them a shout at 1-855-961-3377 or online at kubienergy.ca. Further details on Alberta's COVID plan through the next, what are they saying, Hoyles? Probably the next few weeks, next Mm. month anyway. What's going on? You're right. Right. You were right again. Oh, can we just loop that, Sam? Could we do like, could you make that my ringtone? My alarm goes off in the morning. Just, you're, you're right going, again. You're right again. You're right you're, again. Oh, tell me something I don't know. And then I'll hit snooze. So effective immediately dropped the for indoor gatherings, the two household cohort restriction. OK. Uh, dropped the vaccine requirement. So wait well, for what? For indoor gatherings. Really? And indoor gatherings remain at maximum 10 people, but that does not include folks that are 18 years and younger. So you can have 10 adults from multiple households and all their kids and nobody's got to be vaccinated? Correct. Okay. The restrictions exemptions program uh, still in place for things like restaurants. They're not lifting that. They've not lifted the entire. There's no word of that. It doesn't sound like. I mean, that, that would be a major announcement. Um, and well, this I think is already moving in. I'm just I'm wondering what the basis scientific basis is, but well, scientific ba- Hoyles <laughs> since when have they based co- the scientific basis? What are you talking about? What planet are you? <laughs> what planet are you on? Uh, OK, well, I mean, this is also going to come down to like, let me say this. And I know that this is this is. Um, Boy, before you make comments and you already describe them as somewhat disingenuous, you wonder what's the point of the comment. But I'm not being entirely serious. But let me say that for a lot of people, there is still opt out here. Right. You're not required to get together with people, but you're able to legally now if you so choose. Now, some people are going to say, well, yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, The people that have been the most prudent in these scenarios that have not been gathering are the ones that are doing their best to try to protect society from Omicron from a fifth wave. Well, as the people that have sort of, you know, gathered willy nilly unvaccinated, not particularly concerned about the rules in the first place are the ones that are dragging this on for freaking ever. And you wouldn't be wrong in taking that position. So we'll keep you updated as policy updates as well. You can send us an email anytime. I've been sort of like, you know, this this mug here. This is the Real Talk Crescent mug. Um, it's December 15th today, which means that we've got 10 days till Christmas. I suspect, though I cannot guarantee at this point, but I suspect were you to place your order at ryanjespson.com today to buy a Crescent mug, a Real Talk Crescent mug for the real talker in your life that it may arrive in time to put it under the tree. We also choose an email every month. It's our Real Talk email of the month contest, the one that really resonates with us and we'll ship you a crescent mug like we did to michael last month if you're the big winner mary lee mary louise wrote in after checking our december 8th episode where we talked about friendship uh, from a researcher from ohio university this was an absolutely fantastic conversation about how long does the average friendship last when is it a sign that you should end a friendship what does friendship even mean man and we had a great conversation mary louise wrote in to say i dated larry in high school I liked him, but I was also seeing Brian, uh, who wound up as my ex-husband, and and uh, I wasn't really into him. Larry was nice, so I didn't want to hurt him. Uh, we lost touch, but thanks to social media, we reconnected. 
So he's been married for more than 40 years. I've been married to my second husband for 35 years, but we text occasionally. We live like 2000 miles away. And when I go home, we go out for drinks. And I always tell my hubby when I hear from Larry and the other day he texted me to wish me a happy birthday. We've known each other for more than 55 years and he makes me feel special. He is my special friend. That from Mary Louise. I love that. People were writing in, uh, especially in the live chat, but after the fact as well, and kind of talking about how that conversation resonated with them and the friendships that they valued and the different dynamics of their friendships. And that was a good one. I know that Mary Louise email that could spark a real conversation on. Is there really truly such a thing as a platonic relationship as in the Harry when Harry met Sally right. can men and women be friends yeah. can, like can people that are are, yeah. there, are there always the undercurrents are there always slight undercurrents of attraction at play I love also the term special friend when yeah. I was growing up my mom refused to say boyfriend or girlfriend oh so it would always be like this is Sarah's special friend, friend. <laughs> right. there was always the, the pregnant pause yes Sarah's friend yeah and the other person kind of took that as like what is my uh, level of commitment at this time insufficient shall i be deepening my commitment to this family jared wrote in yesterday on elon musk after our little dust up which was great my personal trainer graham duty he and i get together on tuesdays he's like boy you and hoyles got into it yesterday on elon musk i said yeah we do and then we have sparkling waters after you and i we just cheers together we move on uh jared said hey guys uh elon musk can be and is both an innovator and a billionaire each of those things can be true and it does not invalidate or diminish the other fact Elon Musk has driven remarkable innovation. He's the time person of the year, by the way. That's why we were talking about him yesterday. Uh, he's driven remarkable innovation in the world of engineering and tech. Does having a head start from your family and or hundreds of millions from your previous ventures help? Yes. Does that invalidate Elon Musk's continuous pursuit of innovation in business? No. Did he do all of this alone? No. He leads a team of incredibly smart and somewhat like-minded people. Uh, he's also a big-time billionaire. Another great band name. Uh, does this come with social problems that society should address? Yes. Does this come with a major upside for his ability to push the envelope of science and tech? Yes. Does being rich instantly make you an amazing innovator with the drive and passion to push boundaries? No. Does being an ambitious innovator make it easier to get rich? Yes. And Jared, do we love when people interview themselves with questions that they subsequently answer? Absolutely. And yes. thank you for your email. I want to get into this one. I feel like there should be some sort of a heads up that we're about to get into someone's very personal feelings about abortion. And this is based on our episode December 6th. We took a look at what some of the American states, particularly in the, in, in the so-called Bible Belt, are doing when it comes to abortion, the, the uh, relevance of the American Supreme Court in this, and then talk about women's health and access to women's health services in Canada. Cy wrote in and said, uh, I wanted to get into this. So I finally got into your December 6th episode and I was looking forward to your conversation on abortion. And I have to say I was disappointed uh, so much so that I can't sleep. And I found it sort of reiterating the same old tired arguments and the same old labels. Uh, Ryan, the issue of abortion is extremely complex. <laughs> Man, you don't have to tell me. Says my views on abortion have generally moved away from pro-choice as I found that it can be as hostile as the so-called pro-life camp. Uh, personally, I've never been able to reconcile the manner in which the gift of a pregnancy can casually be discarded in conversation. As a father who's felt the devastation of pregnancy loss, I find discussions with both camps bringing a lot of primal and raw emotion. 
And it's strange to others that I cannot disassociate abortion and our family's pregnancy loss. And for that, I have no answer. But I also have no apologies. When I put myself into a pro-lifer's shoes, I suspect that some or not all of them may have felt the same sting of pregnancy loss or been unable to become pregnant and may react the same. I mean, how could someone choose to forego a child when I unwillingly lost mine? I can I can already hear the responses. We're going to get to this. How can someone choose what I was forced to endure? Unfortunately, most cannot be empathetic. Overall, these camps, both of them are overly simplistic And while I will uh, reluctantly sound more or less like a pro-choice advocate, most, if not all, are guilty of tunnel vision, causing significant division, preventing real conversations with the pro-life camp and a progress toward a society where abortion is rare. Says, I put myself in my own camp, what I call the choose life camp. In other words, my belief is that the world should be a place where a woman will choose life. As a society, we're far away from achieving this ideal. The U.S., a different planet. In Canada, we condone abortion and we look south of the border with our Canadian smugness. Real talk, condoning abortion without addressing how and why a woman has reached such a critical and pivotal decision is negligent and abusive. Canadians are content with allowing our sisters, daughters, mothers to walk with the weight of choosing abortion for the rest of their lives without doing the work. To provide women full sexual autonomy and respect, proper sexual sexual education for all genders, addressing the pervasive, toxic masculinity rampant in society and significantly improving family supports. Only then will women be less likely to be in a position where they even consider abortion. I finally have a position... Oil's just like ready to go. Hey, listen, I I've said to people, I'm not always going to read emails that are like, this is the greatest show of all time. And you guys are just the absolute best. And I don't ever listen to any other show. I want people to feel like regardless of where you land on a subject, you have an opportunity to have your say and share your perspective. So it broadens our understanding of where people are coming from when it comes to these types of decisions. Back to the email. It says, I look to a future. And I hope that my children grow up in a society that's more compassionate for women, where men can be advocates for partners. So hopefully they don't need to look into their eyes and feel the chasm that is abortion. I look into my wife's eyes and I feel confident I have her best interests at heart while honoring the struggle we both endured. And when I think about our unborn child, I can confidently tell them that for my wife and I, abortion never crossed our minds. So sorry about the rant. I'm still glad you at least walked into the abortion minefield. The Real Talk team still has my full support through regular viewership and through Patreon. Have a wonderful week. I appreciate it. I don't align. And quite frankly, I don't love that the assertion that we condone abortion. There was uh, no condoning. No, obviously. I mean, I just feel like that's kind of I don't want to, I don't want to like read an email. I should just let it sit and let it land. Uh, but I, I, the, the word condone kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, but hey, I told you if, if we if we had, I would acknowledge that well that would like what talk show like first of all just to say and it, it doesn't it feel I, I will acknowledge it always feels strange for me to like talk about abortion it's just it's not so it's so intensely personal it's and i don't use the word smugly it's very triggering for a lot of people for very real and obvious reasons it's so personal and quite frankly i've always felt like it's really none of my business uh, and for a lot of years i would not even talk about abortion on talk radio 
I told you this, Soils. Uh, I can't remember if it was on or off air, but people would say to me, people would always ask me, I do these interviews on podcasts and things like that as a talk host, and they'd say, is there any subject you won't tackle? And I always would say, I'm not particularly fond of talking about abortion on the air because it just never felt like there was any consensus to be reached, and I felt like it was always a very difficult subject for a lot of people. But at the same time, to say we were condoning it is a bit of a strange take on it. So, I mean, that's I don't want to like hone in on one word of an entire email, but that one I was like, what do you come on? I just I feel that your point of that it's a deeply personal decision is is just that and that it is it is a personal health decision and therefore it should be left up to the person that is making that decision with their doctor. Totally. Um, So when you look at a family and you say that this family has experienced, for example, in this circumstance, you've experienced pregnancy loss, you desperately want to be pregnant, uh, then, of course, that will impact your perspective on things like abortion, adoption, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, family supports, right? I mean, that's your perspective. So allow that to dictate your choices in that matter or your perspective on it, right? I have a hard time with, and, and maybe we're guilty of this with, with regards to, I mean, you think of somebody, if, if, you, if somebody you know is a person who uses drugs and utilizes something like a supervised consumption site as part of their everyday life, if somebody you know has had, uh, you know, a drug poisoning reversed with naloxone and they're still here with you today, living and breathing, you will have strong feelings on public policy about things like naloxone harm reduction supports and all those types of things. So I understand that personal experience impacts bigger perspective on policy. Uh, but at the same time, I think as human beings, we have to recognize that what's good for you or what works for you doesn't always work for everybody. And if you want people to respect your autonomy, you got to respect others' autonomy, too. I mean, it seems pretty basic. So this is I mean, I appreciate the email. You can be in touch with the city time to talk at Ryan Any further updates on covid protocols or policies? That's pretty much it that we know right now. We'll be keeping an eye on it. And of course, as we lead off tomorrow's show, this is something we'll get into as well. Uh, what it means. I mean, the federal government's going to be making announcements. Provincial governments across the country are going to be talking to their citizens about what the next three, four weeks are going to look like. And we'll keep you in the loop. Before we go, I want to remind you that, that we're really proud of this Real Talk cask number one bourbon. And we did it in collaboration with uh, William H. Macy and David Matthews. These are the uh, David is the master distiller at Woody Creek Distillers out of Woody Creek, Colorado. Uh, unbelievable. It's a 100 percent Olathe corn whiskey uh, aged in the bourbon tradition and finished in these. I mean, six year aged, by the way, in charred virgin American oak barrels. Everybody that's trying to, I mean, I have yet to get a, a note from any whiskey lover that says this is brutal. Try again. We're getting some rave reviews. And I want to remind you that this is cast number one. It's bound to be. It already is a collector's edition. If you're going to get your hands on a bottle, now's the time to do it because they will sell out. And once they're gone, they gone. So if you're in Edmonton, you can find bottles of the Woody Creek Real Talk cast number one bourbon at Sherbrooke Liquor and Whiskey Drop. Whiskey Drop will ship by the way they'll ship they said just well, don't announce that too much because we don't want to be flooded but i'm just letting you know if you're not in the metro edmonton region whiskey drop will ship yeah. and if you're down in calgary go see our friends at vine arts and make sure you ask for the real talk cast number one bourbon local waste has been keeping it local in construction commercial and residential waste and recycling collection for more than a quarter century family-owned operating out of alberta and saskatchewan whether it's a, a reno project maybe you're getting a new roof done maybe you're purging the basement who knows a big landscaping job 10 to 40 foot bins they've got it all they'll find the solution perfect for you keep it local 
at localwaste.ca. Of course, Trash Talk's coming up on Friday. We've already got some great submissions, including that one from Allison on marriage trends with millennials. I can't wait to get into that one. Still room for your rant submitted to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Coming up on the show tomorrow, we're going to talk to journalist Paul Wells. I love his columns in McLean's. He's going to join us. We'll take a look at the Canadian politics landscape, including federal policies on COVID and Bill 21. Where does Paul land on that? Plus, should Alberta stay in Canada or go? UFC Dr. Barry Cooper and Senator Paula Simons square off on a rowdy edition, I'm sure. We'll talk to you soon. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Editorial producer, Sarah Hoyles. Technical producer, Sam Brooks. Managing director, Josh Dunford. Account coordinator, Tanya Franklin. Merchandise operations, Katie Cook-Chivers. Website design, Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Julie Rohr, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.